Hello, and welcome to Random Interesting Facts. The podcast about everything and nothing. With your host, 42. This week's topic is chocolate. So, let's dive right in with fact number one. Chocolate isn't just for Christmas and Easter. Although I'll admit my knowledge of the Bible is a little bit rusty, I don't remember Jesus ever going, and on my birth and rising from the dead, he shall stuff his face with chocolate. You'd be forgiven for thinking he did though, looking at the marketing surrounding Christmas and Easter. Chocolate Yule Logs, Terry's Chocolate Oranges, Easter Eggs, Chocolate Bunnies. Is anyone else getting hungry? It seems though that it isn't just Christian holidays that capitalise on chocolate. If you look closely, you'll find lots of events throughout the year when chocolate just so happens to be part of the deal. And did you really want to miss an excuse to eat your favourite food? I thought not. First up, we have July the 7th, also known to chocoholics everywhere as World Chocolate Day. As well as being a day for chocolate appreciation, July the 7th also has historical importance. Being that cocoa was first brought to Europe in large quantities on the 7th of July, 1550. Although this date might not be accurate, as some reports suggest Christopher Columbus might have brought some cocoa back with him to Spain a whole 46 years earlier in 1504. But back then it was only the aristocracy who had access to it before it eventually made its way to the lower classes. World Chocolate Day wasn't enough for some people though, due to the fact that World Chocolate Day is celebrating the day that chocolate made its way to Europe. Understandably, Americans across the pond felt a little left out and decided to create their own chocolate holiday. And what's a fitting name for a chocolate day celebrated solely in the United States? International Chocolate Day, um, yeah. International <clears throat> American Chocolate Day is celebrated on the 13th of September in honour of Milton Hershey's birthday founder of the Hershey Chocolate Company, or as Europeans know it, as those weirdly sour milk chocolate drop thingies. But if World Chocolate Day and International Chocolate Day aren't specific enough for you, you could certainly celebrate Dark Chocolate Day, to cheer yourself up during the winter blues on February the 1st. If milk chocolate is more of your thing, then on July the 28th, you can celebrate Milk Chocolate Day. And if you're one of those weirdos who doesn't like any actual chocolate in your chocolate, White Chocolate Day is on September the 22nd. But I hear you, five days a year, plus Christmas and Easter to eat chocolate guilt-free is hardly any time at all. I got you. If you want to slouch on the couch all day on February the 14th, eating boxes of chocolate truffles, you actually have two excuses. The first being that it's Valentine's Day, obviously. And with a whopping $2.4 billion being spent on chocolate for Valentine's Day in America, 
it's safe to say you won't be alone. But the second reason being that, on February the 14th, in Ghana, the second largest producer of cocoa in the world, they celebrate their very own chocolate day. What's that? You need more still? Fine, if you can't wait for Halloween or are too old for trick-and-treating, how about October the 20th? That's Office Chocolate Day, by the way. Yes, that's really a thing, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Bring some chocolates to work. Sharing is optional. It turns out that apart from the major holidays throughout the year, there are actually more than 50, yes, 50, dedicated national days which involve chocolate, from Hot Cocoa Day to National Chocolate Custard Day. All I can say is, you're welcome. Next up, we have Moments from History. Where each episode we look at one particularly odd moment from the past. This week, the time a bear helped bring down the Nazis. During war, novelty and fun aren't usually a priority. War's a time for sacrifice, the essentials, the bare necessities. No, not the bare necessities. Literally, bone bare necessities. But for a group of open-minded soldiers during World War II, a bear was apparently just what they needed. In 1942, Polish soldiers who'd recently been released from Soviet Union prison camps stumbled across a young shepherd boy in Iran. At first glance, he wasn't anything unusual, but what did strike them as odd was his backpack, which was moving and wriggling around on the young boy's back. It turned out there was a bear cub inside the bag who'd recently been orphaned as its parents were shot by hunters. But the bear cub, despite its sad start in life, was so playful that the soldiers just had to take him home with them. Makes crazy cat lady seem a bit more sane now, doesn't it? The young shepherd was willing to give the bear cub up, but for a price. The soldiers ended up trading some Persian coins, chocolate, a Swiss army knife, and a tin of beef for the young bear. Which sounds like a pretty good deal to me. The soldiers donated the bear to their unit, the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, and named him Wojtek, which meant joyful warrior, owing to the cub's playful nature. Wojtek became a mascot, pet, and bizarrely, just one of the boys. The soldiers used empty vodka bottles filled with condensed milk to feed the hungry bear, along with fruit and honey. But it turned out, Wojtek had other ideas in mind when it came to a balanced bear diet. Being surrounded by soldiers all day certainly had its effects on Wojtek. And soon he was knocking back beers just as much as the soldiers. He could even drink out of the bottle. Whether he learnt to play beer pong or not remains a mystery. He was also partial to the odd cigarette, although his method of consuming these was a bit unusual. 
For starters, he would turn his nose up at unlit cigarettes, demanding that they would always be lit, ready for him. Next, he would take one puff, promptly before swallowing the entire thing. Shockingly, the soldiers obviously didn't consider this behaviour to be too strange or dangerous, as they continued to let him drink beer and smoke-slash-scoff cigarettes to his heart's content. Taking this odd bear behaviour further, they even used to wrestle with Wojtek, though he would usually win, resulting in scratches and torn clothing for the soldiers. Not that it put them off. Wojtek fit in a bit too well at the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, at least too well for a bear. Aside from spending his days necking bottles of beer, wrestling and smoking, he would also march with the soldiers, even learning to salute. Thank goodness the Nazis didn't get their hands on Wojtek first, otherwise we might have ended up with a very offensive bear. Just in case Wojtek wasn't being human enough, he also enjoyed gathering around the campfire in the evening and sleeping in the soldiers' tents. Which sounds cute, but surely a smelly bear in your bed is the last thing you'd want, right? Well, luckily for the Polish soldiers, Wojtek was a very clean bear and often enjoyed taking showers. He was even able to turn the taps on all by himself. Pretty soon, the bear's showering habits got a little too OCD for the good of the camp. Taking multiple long hot showers every day, often leaving the soldiers without any water for themselves. Something had to be done, and so the doors to the showers had a lock put on them. That didn't stop Wojtek from checking the lock every now and then though, just in case. One lucky day, Wojtek went to check on the shower doors, and he was surprised to find them slightly open, with no lock in sight. But he knew something wasn't right, and headed inside cautiously, before getting himself a nice deserved shower. Suddenly, a loud scream erupted from the shower stalls. It turned out to be an Arabian spy hiding in the showers. Startled by the screams, the soldiers quickly came to the rescue, detaining the spy and questioning him. Luckily for them, the spy was so terrified after being surprised by a bear, and to be fair, I don't blame him, that he was a complete blabbermouth and even let loose that there was an impending raid going to happen soon. Wojtek was rewarded with a long hot shower. That year, the Polish army traveled all over the Middle East with their bear in tow. But in 1943, they were drafted to Italy, where there was one slight issue. The bigwigs at the top had somehow come to the conclusion that it wasn't the best idea to bring a bear wherever they went, especially when you're at war. Wojtek had to be left behind, but the soldiers who raised him weren't going to have any of that. So. Wojtek was officially drafted into the Polish army as a private. Along with his own paybook, rank and serial number, so he was just as much a soldier as any of the other men. And so they all made their happy way to Italy together. 
As it turned out, Wojtek was more than just an army mascot. He actually aided in the fight against Germany in the Battle of Monte Cassino in 1944. The bear watched as he saw the soldiers lifting crates and ammunition to the front lines. Not wanting to be a freeloader, Wojtek started carrying the 100-pound crates of artillery shells to the soldiers. He would carry boxes which would usually require four men, all by himself, which he would then stack onto a truck. In thanks for his service, Wojtek was promoted to the rank of corporal and a depiction of a bear carrying artillery shells was adopted as the official emblem of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company. In 1947, the 22nd Artillery Supply Company was demobilised and Wojtek was taken under the care of Edinburgh Zoo. At first, he was placed in the bear enclosure, obviously, but soon it was discovered that Wojtek didn't get along all too well with other bears. He probably thought they were too bear-like for him. So he was soon given his own enclosure, where he became quite the celebrity. Polish soldiers who served with Wojtek often visited and against zoo policy would jump over the fence and into the enclosure with him for a quick wrestle. They would bring him a beer and cigarettes, lit of course, which he would promptly puff and then gulp. Wojtek died in 1963 at the ripe old bear age of 21, which considering his lifestyle and diet was pretty good for a Syrian bear. And my, what a life he had. Now, we'll take a short break and soon we'll be back with fact number two. Fact number two. Chocolate can be the death of you. When you think of chocolate, you probably have pleasant thoughts come to mind, right? Who doesn't like chocolate? Weirdos, that's who. After all, what has chocolate ever done to anyone apart from give them unconditional love in the form of a sweet, sweet snack? Well, for a few unfortunate souls, their love of chocolate was nearly the death of them. Death by chocolate besides being the name of a delicious dessert or cake, is also the cause of death for some very unlucky people. One of the earliest records of someone being poisoned by chocolate occurred during the 1600s in Mexico. The Bishop of Chiapas made the decision to ban the drinking of chocolate in his church, stating that it broke religious fasting laws the women of his congregation weren't happy with this decision at all. To hell with breaking religious law, literally. So they protested, stating that the chocolate was a medicinal necessity for them, as they had weak stomachs and needed to drink the delicious chocolate to stop them from fainting during the long mass services, 
It probably helped with the boredom too, but they didn't mention that. When the bishop refused to cave in, the women took matters into their own hands by attending masses in other parishes and convents. Why this bishop had a death wish is beyond me, but in pure spite of the chocoholic women, he extended the chocolate ban to cover all parishes, forcing the women to return to his church. But that didn't work either. Apparently, chocolate was more important than God. And so the women decided to just stay at home instead. The bishop and the women were at a kind of stalemate, but one of the ladies, the very wealthy Donna Magdalena de Morales, decided to make it a checkmate. In bittersweet revenge, she sent the bishop a cup of chocolate, laced with poison. Shortly afterwards, the bishop became gravely ill and later died. Fearing more poisoned chocolate rebellions, Pope Alexander VII passed a law that all drinks, including chocolate, did not break any religious fast. I think we can all take away from this story the lesson of never coming between a woman and her chocolate. Although I think most sensible men already know this. Someone who's also had his chocolate tampered with was British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Taking on Nazi Germany and the rest of occupied Europe didn't come without its risks, but who knew one of those risks would be chocolate blowing up in your face? Adolf Hitler gave instructions to his bomb makers to create a chocolate bar-shaped explosive device coated in a thin layer of rich dark chocolate. It was then packed in expensive-looking black and gold paper. I'm sure they really wanted to make it red and put a massive swastika on it, but they resisted this urge, as it might have given the game away. The plan was to have German secret agents plant this explosive chocolate in the war cabinet, where Churchill spent most of his time, hoping that at some point Winston would get a little bit peckish and fancied a tasty treat that just so happened to be conveniently lying on the table. The fake chocolate bar was designed to detonate seven seconds after unwrapping it, which coincidentally coincides with the amount of time it takes me to eat a chocolate bar. It would be just my luck that I would have consumed the whole thing before it went off and exploded like that fat guy in the Monty Python sketch. But it's just a weather-thin chocolate bomb. Luckily, the plot was foiled by British spies who discovered the plans for this chocolate bar device before it had a chance to get anywhere near the wartime Prime Minister. Lord Rothschild, a scientist and member of the infamous Rothschild banking family, got to work immediately putting a warning out to the British public to be on the lookout for suspicious exploding chocolate bars. That really is the last thing you need to worry about during a war, isn't it? Fact number three. Forget Bitcoin. Have you heard of CocoCoin? In the 21st century, you can't move without seeing chocolate. It's in our cupboards, in our shops, in advertisements, in desserts, in restaurants, cake, ice cream, on people. It really is everywhere, and so you'd be forgiven for assuming that our current civilization is the most cocoa-obsessed it's ever been. 
But the thing is, it really isn't. Not even close. In ancient Mesoamerica, the Mayans and Aztecs, when they weren't predicting the end of the world or taking part in gruesome sacrifices, spent their days literally worshipping chocolate. But not the kind you or I eat today. They would ferment and roast a cocoa bean, and then grind them into a bitter paste, which would be brewed with water, honey, vanilla, and various spices. If you think this sounds delicious, you might be disappointed, as this mixture wouldn't suit our modern day palates and would be far too bitter and spicy. In fact, a European explorer who sampled a cocoa drink whilst in the area described it as a bitter drink for pigs. It definitely wasn't the hot cup of cocoa that we like to have on a winter's evening topped up with marshmallows. Hmm, that sounds really good right about now, actually. Come on, Aaron, control yourself. You have to finish this podcast. This odd-tasting chocolate drink was believed to possess spiritual qualities since it had mood-enhancing properties. Cocoa beans were sacred and thought to be food of the gods, literally. They worshipped them and gave thanks once a year to the god Ekkua, otherwise known as the Cocoa God. And they named the cocoa tree Theobroma, which in Latin means food of the gods. Because of this, chocolate was thought to be divine and was to only be consumed by rulers, warriors and priests. A rather morbid exception to this rule would be those who were about to be sacrificed. Before a sacrifice, Mayans would take part in a ritual dance, and the poor sod being sacrificed would be expected to take part in the festivities as well. Understandably, they would be a little bit too depressed at the time to want to join in. About to be killed does that to you, apparently. And so, they would be offered a gourd of chocolate mixed with the blood of previous victims. You know, to cheer them up a bit. What, are you kidding me? A gourd of chocolate mixed with the blood of previous victims wouldn't cheer you up? Aztec Emperor Motocazuma II took the properties of cocoa very seriously, drinking up to 50 cups of the stuff every day. And even more if he was in the company of a woman he wanted to get lucky with, due to its supposed aphrodisiac properties, his wealth and power was also cemented in the number of cocoa beans he possessed. He apparently had 960 million cocoa beans, which made him the wealthiest member of the Aztec civilization at the time. If the same rule applied in modern times, that would make the owners of Nestle, Cadbury and Hershey's rulers of the world. Hmm, I wouldn't be too mad about that actually. To the Aztecs, cocoa beans were worth more than gold, and were used daily in the marketplace as a currency to buy anything from food to sex. For example, a turkey was worth 200 beans, whilst a rabbit will cost you 30. 
Aztec hipsters would have to swap three cocoa beans for one ripe avocado, which is a steal compared to today, and one large tomato would set you back one cocoa bean. There were reports of slaves being sold for 100 beans. And if you wanted some company for the night, a prostitute would cost you anywhere from 8 to 10 cocoa beans. But guys out there, I do implore you, don't try to offer women cocoa beans to have sex with you. Mostly doesn't work. And that was Random Interesting Facts. Thank you for listening, and I'd absolutely love to hear your comments and suggestions for future episodes. And also be sure to like, review, and subscribe. Please do leave a comment if you've learned something new from this episode. And if you have your very own random interesting fact that you're just bursting to share with me, then tweet it using the hashtag RiffPodcast. That's R-I-F podcast. Each week I'll choose my favourite fact from my lovely listeners and shout it out at the end of my next episode. And thanks again for listening.